Welcome to another Bite Side. My name is Seamus Byrne. This is a show about tech culture, screen culture, internet culture, all those kinds of fun things and the things we love about, uh, well, all that kind of random geeky stuff. And joining me as always, Nick Healy. How are you, Nick? Not actually very well <laughs> at all. So you can probably hear it in my voice. Um, I'm very pleased to say that I did um, uh, just get a text message literally a couple of minutes ago letting me know I do not have COVID-19. So that, that's nice to know. That's very good news. And like very happy. At the, you know, it's that year where you're like some comfort when you still are feeling kind of rubbish, but it's comforting to know it's not that rubbish. Yeah, it's just a little bit of rubbish. A it's just brand um, of rubbish. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's just my voice and my throat. You know the things that are my job. So that's <laughs> yes, fine. That's a really good point. But maybe that means <laughs> you know if you're a little bit sick at home at the moment, uh, have you been catching up on any sort of streaming TV stuff? Have you been looking for new services to explore, Nick? Look, not new services. I have been watching Hunters finally, which um, I know got really mixed reviews, but I'm really invested in. I'm actually having a really good time with that. Um, but I do know there's a new kid on the block when it comes to streaming services, which somehow I have not caught up on properly. Yeah, so Foxtel has made its latest foray into, and it, like latest is important here because boy, have they tinkered a lot with streaming services over the past decade, I guess, um, you know, or you know, thereabouts. But, um, yeah, Foxtel has launched Binge. Binge, the new Australian uh, service from Foxtel specialising in all their TV and movies in the way that KO, K-A-Y-O, was its kind of sports specialty uh, service for people to subscribe to as its own thing. Uh, so this is their way of going, look at our awesome library. And they do have a great library of, you know, and part of even the pitch for Binge seems to be uh, saying 10,000, over 10,000 hours of content. So it's like just get in there and, and binge it. And literally all over the app, it even is like binge, binge lists. And, and you press binge instead of press play, if you can believe uh, that, Nick. <laughs> uh, sorry, that's awful. So hang on, how does, how does it fit in with what Foxtel already have? I'm incredibly confused. Yeah, so this, it is kind of confusing even once you're in it because mostly you're sort of sitting there looking at it going, okay, yep, like heaps of TV shows, heaps of stuff, it, like all the HBO stuff. It's definitely, if you're after the HBO shows that Foxtel has access to, this is certainly the cheapest way to get get a hold of it because, you know, that classic thing was for so many years with, you know, Game of Thrones was their, their big reason why people would subscribe to, you know, to the Foxtel subscription service as in separate from the set-top box uh, side of things where you're kind of making more of a commitment to it. You know, you can... Um, and look, I've even lost track. I believe the current version of the app is called Foxtel Go. In the past, yes. it's been Foxtel Now and Foxtel Play. I think... <laughs> Neither of those work anymore. There was one point where you had to leave, you had to stop using Foxtel Go and you were using something called Foxtel Now. And then now it is only Foxtel Go. But you do still press play. <laughs> but, you, but on Foxtel Go, you do still press play. Um, Foxtel Play still works on my Sony TV. Um, 
because they still support that old app. And I really, that is a super appreciated thing from my perspective that that so, is actually you know, good. so many services will happily go, yeah, this one's like a few years old. We don't support that platform anymore. Stiff shit. Um, but yeah, I think with, uh, it, it is, it's like admirable that on like whatever weird old Sony smart TV operating system it is, they have still made sure that you can still log in and still watch the stuff. Um, but that's a bit of an aside. But, well, but it's not really because this is the kind of problem really is you go into the Foxtel service, whichever version it is you kind of happen to have, and it isn't all that clear what you're not getting uh, compared to the main service. But... Mm. One of the big things that I've heard sort of coming out is that some of the Foxtel original programming, so shows like Wentworth, um, yeah, which do have a big following, apparently they will kind of air first on full Foxtel before they will then be released to binge. And it really kind of feels like they're in that place of not wanting to fully commit to this idea that in the long term you're going to have to accept that people paying, you know, 15 bucks a month is the ballpark of revenue that you're going to be getting because in the end they're just going to not you know keep throwing 50 bucks a month at you or whatever it is for the kind of the top line Oof. foxtel. 50 bucks is a huge amount of money. I just want to make that really really clear like, you know, I, I, I dialing it in to kind of just try to remember. Yeah, $59 a month on a 12 month plan. Uh, no setup costs. Uh, that's all the sports. That's all the kind of shows. Um, it says kind of slash normally, I don't know if it's like a normally $86 a month or oh, wait, explore other bundles. Okay. Wait. So yeah, platinum plus is still $99 a month. And that gets you all the Foxtel channels, all the sports channels, all the movie channels, all the kids channels, blah, 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 blah. So all the channels, 99 a month entry point, is uh, like $49 a month just for channels because then there's $59 a month if you want the movie channels and in HD and kids and included Netflix. And so they've even got versions now where you can pay and get Netflix included. (sighs) I just want to say this, like, and I'm saying this as a man in his late 40s, Foxtel in that way has always felt like something someone's dad has. Like you're around at someone's house and you're like, oh, your dad's got Foxtel. Wow. (laughs) And you flick through because it's not something you'd ever get for yourself. It still feels like the dad TV um, because there's no way anyone's going to spend a hundred bucks. I'm not going to spend a hundred bucks. You are a dad. You're not spending a hundred bucks on Foxtel, are you? I mean, I used to. You know, once upon a time. Um, Yeah, back when it was the, you know, you had to have the set-top box and it really was before there was streaming TV, right? So it yeah. was that idea of going, well, we just, I'll pay the, I think it was like 110 bucks a month. And it was for all oh. the channels and all the movies and all the sport. And I think it included like two movie rentals per month and bits and pieces like that. But it was at the time when uh, it was probably right around that time, actually, when we had our first kid and we were kind of living out in the hills in Sydney and it was like, this is just our way to, you know, relax as parents when there's a kid, you know, who is in the house but is, you know, still just a, a tiny toddler or, you know, well, baby at that point. Um, but, yeah, once we moved out of that house, um, we just never, you know, never went down that path again. 
Look, and of course, it, it's worth noting that for a long time there in the age of terrestrial TV, um, Foxtel offered perfect free-to-wear TV reception, which yes. you couldn't get a lot of places. Yeah, that was huge, and that was definitely. Oh, yeah, remember. no, that was a big. That was a big draw yeah. card. That was huge. Yeah, this isn't unless I'm forgetting. This isn't Foxtel's first crack at something like this. I mean, you and I were around for the launch of Presto. Absolutely, and this is kind of the weirdest <laughs> part of it all. Was Presto was. It felt like exactly what this is, and it just, you know, I kind of feel bad for the people who were involved with launching Presto back at the time because it was a good service. They even had some show, like Mr. Robot, I, I guess, as a classic, it it launched only on Presto. It launched on Presto huh. before it aired on the main Foxtel service. So, like, they kind of threw something at it to give it its own little kind of tentpole. And Binge right now... When you look at the kind of the the lineup of like the shows and movies that it kind of is highlighting on the you know on the sizzle page to kind of encourage people to sign up, it's all stuff that's old. Like there's nothing about it that is like this is the place where you will get something that you're not getting anywhere else. And I mean, I'm saying that, and it's like, well, you know, it has the HBO shows, but it's probably partly that this is kind of not a, a massive year for like some brand new. HBO show that's taking the world by storm. So it it looks a little flat on that kind of homepage when it comes to what it's actually giving you that you won't find anywhere else. Look, from memory, Presto also launched, this is quite a few years ago, at 20 bucks a month, which is way too much money, just way too much money for what was on offer. But yeah. this is, on some level, I want to say this is actually very clever because basically Foxtel is saying, here's stuff we've already got. We're just going to ask a bunch of people who don't already have it to spend $10 a month. Yeah. On another side of it, I don't know. I just, I feel like if they'd launched this two months ago, this might have been better, but we're coming out of lockdown in a bunch of states now. And I'm not sure that this is exactly what people are looking for. My voice is going and I do apologize. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, take a drink of water while I say some random stuff. <laughs> but yeah, look, uh, I, I feel like. Um, I feel like there's definitely kind of a big question here around even the kind of the quality of the service because I think there is a really important question here around, you know, when we sign up to things, often it's because we're like, well, this this solves my problem. This is going to have the shows I want and in some ways it's like even let's just say that someone's like, yep, perfect. This is the service that's going to give me access to those extra shows that I can't get on Stan or I can't get on Netflix uh, this is the way I'm going to go. Uh, my initial experiences with it have have really kind of pointed to the idea that the the app, at least on Apple TV, it's like it feels undercooked just in the sense that it looks pretty, but I've run into problems where I get stuck in a menu screen <laughs> and it's like just somehow I've pressed a wrong direction and that's made the cursor fail. And you're like, how have they not tested this in a way that would make this come up? And so I've had to like force quit that you know app on apple tv and then come back into it um and then there's even been sort of questions i've seen other um journalists sort of flagging that there's really bad compression in it and this is almost oh. one of those things i think it's almost like when we talk about mbn quality of service and kind of knowing what you're going to get depending on where you live um or you know or rather like the cvc type stuff is probably a better example where you know every service provider should almost have to say publicly um you know what their ratio is so that you can then get a sense of how well you're being looked after by that 
by that operator. In this case, um, in their details, it says that they deliver HD streams at about three to four um, megabits, which is like pretty tight compared to what sort of some higher kind of, uh, you know, other services might deliver out at. And, um, you know, one example was someone who was looking at some of the really dark scenes in the Battle for Winterfell from the last season of Game of Thrones where you can see, you know, those horrible gradations where kind of colours jump from one colour to the next in a badly compressed, um, you know, sort of fine gradient uh, section of a screen. Um, you're pointing out just things like that where you go, this is not what you want if you're wanting to experience some of those really cinematic TV shows or even things like I had a quick look at some myself and compared uh, Frozen Planet, uh, the BBC doco series uh, between Binge and uh, the same exact same show on Stan. And I could really see that the Stan version uh, had a much better quality. Now, it's partly maybe that Stan on its highest plan, I think, does do 4K, whereas... Um, yeah, this is very much only doing HD, but like that's something that somebody won't necessarily think about all that much. But when they're sitting there watching it, they're going to yeah. notice that it looks rubbish. Oh boy, they're going to notice. And look, just going back to the app, Foxtel apps have traditionally had absolutely infuriating interfaces, just absolutely wild from keyboards that are for no apparent reason in alphabetical order if you need to try and find something on a, a console version of the app to I remember once on a tablet having to click six times before I was able to watch the episode I wanted to watch. Oh, yeah. They are just utterly infuriating. I'm not shocked that this one feels half-baked. Actually, yeah, that's a good point. The main thing that we still watch on uh, on the kind of the main Foxtel service, uh, yeah, the app is um, John Oliver, um, yeah, last week tonight. And it's like, you know, I mean, it's kind of crazy that that's a <laughs> thing that you keep subscribing for. Um, but it's great. But there's always that first click problem where you kind of pick the show and then for some reason it will offer you the episode from either the very start of this year's season um, or it will kind of just show you one from a couple of weeks ago. And yep. you're like, oh, I have to kind of now go fishing for the actual latest episode because somehow the app just doesn't know how to know that <laughs> the newest episode is probably what you're looking for. <laughs> how do you not know that? My other favourite is when you've left five seconds of credits at the end and it uh, insists that you might want to continue watching the episode you left. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. You want to continue watching, right? You missed five seconds. Now, you've also just reminded me, opposite kind of problem, um, but we've just finished watching Normal People on Stan. Amazing series. Just mm. amazing. Really, really enjoyed that. Um, but it's like it's a kind of it's a beautiful, you know, love story sort of a, a series and and it plays nice music over the end credits. And, of course, you know, it's fine when you're in the middle of the season and it just does the, you know, start the next episode countdown and it just flows on. But the very last episode, um, and we were quite sure it was the last episode, but then we get the pop-up from Stan saying start next episode in five, four, and we're like, four, oh, three. maybe we miscounted. There might be one more. Um, but, it, you know, it felt like the ending. And then next thing it uses that tool to jump into a preview for like what? a comedy romance starring Anna Kendrick, which I am looking forward to watching. I'm not going to lie. But, but. but 
we're in the you know the afterglow of this really lovely series and really kind of enjoying listening to just that end credits and you're kind of sitting there chatting about how great this show has been and it just kind of cuts you off to throw this ad at you and it's like that is that is not what the thing said it said it was going to play the next episode this is actually a horrible joke you've played on us and kind of ruined that feeling at the end of the series all right, while we're talking about this, and boy, we're getting off track now, but I think this is just things we've been yes. worrying about while in lockdown. 10 seconds, next episode plays in 10 seconds, is too short for me to go, oh, but wait, and then to find the remote. Sometimes you just want a little bit longer. Yeah. Amazon, though, is 75 seconds. I'm like, ain't nobody got time for that. That's well <laughs> over a minute. Just get me somewhere in between. <laughs> How is it either 10 or over a minute and a half? Just pick it. Just yeah. pick it. That's a really good point. And you're right because the 10 seconds does make you scramble for the remote. Like you were sitting there and suddenly like, and it sort of gives you that nervous tension that you're not going to get there in time. <laughs> Almost like putting in your code on a, uh, you know, on like two factor authentication where you're like, Oh, the countdown is coming. <laughs> but I'm only halfway through this 15 digit code. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm totally with you. I think, what do you think? 15 seconds, uh, 20 seconds, 20 Give me 20. 20 is fine. And because, again, it feels like even if, you know, like it's going to cut off the credits, but it's not a crazy amount of time and and it lets you kind of have that kind of lingering moment at least a little bit or to casually and comfortably get the remote to tell it to shut up. (laughs) All right, one more more sidetrack here because it's another one that I've been fighting (laughs) on my Apple TV is that YouTube at the end of a video... And because, of course, YouTube videos don't have credits. And so usually, no. like, there's a gag right to the end if it's a kind of funny gag video, whatever it might be. But you, it does that thing where it pops up like some other suggested video that you might want to watch. And it pops it, like, over the thing that you haven't finished watching yet. And it's just completely obnoxious and there's no obvious button to press because if you kind of press, like, the menu button, it's just going to quit all of... YouTube, so you're like, I don't want to quit the damn app. I just want to tell that stupid box to get the hell out of my way so I can finish watching the damn video. It's all I was asking for. Yeah, look, th- these could go on and on okay. and on, and maybe we'll just give one a nice one. I still think that when you were trying to log on to Stan on a smart TV or a tablet app, it has the best way of doing that out of any of the services. So mm-hmm. thank you, Stan. You have made that incredibly easy for what's everybody. It, what's it do? Oh, it says just go to this uh, URL. So on your phone, you just type in the URL, you type in the code that the screen's displaying ah, you, nice. and it logs you all in. Yeah, all that's done. Good. Yep, that is so that's simple, so nice. Cool. Rather than trying to muck around and yeah, blah 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 blah. Let's move on to something else that everyone finds infuriating and talk a little bit about Twitter. Have you seen their new find the facts feature? Yes, and and look, it maybe. I don't know if it's the first time they've used it anywhere. I don't think it necessarily is, but it is the first time they've applied it to Donald Trump. And so yeah, look, it's a that's big why we're seeing all, it now. It is all part of Twitter deciding that it had to counteract some of the misinformation that is being pushed around. I know 5G and COVID-19 information were the big ones they wanted to counteract. But about 15 hours ago, Donald Trump started talking about how mail-in ballots are going to be fraudulent. And underneath that tweet, 
you'll see a little blue exclamation mark in a circle and the words get the facts about mail-in ballots. If you click through to that, it's a bit of a rundown in a Twitter moment format about how actually there's not a lot of voter fraud that's been seen ever in mail-in ballots. It is an attempt to counteract some of the misinformation, as I said, but I've got a bit of a problem with it in that I think it is yet again Twitter going a bit too mealy-mouthed, a bit too centrist. Now, just looking at the tweet from Donald Trump, get the facts about mail-in ballots doesn't suggest to me that what he is saying is incorrect. Yeah. In fact, if anything, it's just it looks like you could get more facts. Not It is not, to me, implying strongly enough that what is being delivered here is counterfactual, yeah. is incorrect. I think this could genuinely go a lot harder than that. Now, obviously, he's losing his, you already said the word once, so I'm going to say it, he's losing his shit over this. He's suggesting that somehow this little kind of blue URL link is is taking away his right to free speech, which I find hilarious. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't think it goes far enough. I think it's another scenario where I could almost have a little bit of empathy for Twitter at the moment because, once again, they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. But I don't know. You've seen it. What did you think when you saw it? Yeah, I like my issue is definitely the language that they've used because I will, my real issue really is that, like, this is like, you know, five, six, seven years too late for this kind of yes. a thing. Um, yes. It would have been sort of vastly easier to be in front of this kind of an issue and to be, you know, putting this kind of, uh, you know, contested information link onto problem tweets a long time ago. And so, of course, this means what is uh, the smallest of baby steps to simply put an exclamation mark and use the phrase get the facts and then, yes, if you click it, then you will kind of see some stuff that basically, like the the phrase is, Trump makes unsubstantiated claim that mail-in ballots will lead to voter fraud. Um, Some bullet points basically saying that he falsely claimed that mail-in ballots would lead to a rigged election, Uh, you know, falsely claimed that California will send blah, blah, blah. Um, So, you know, there's like, it kind of starts using the word false on the next link, but even something that flags it is contested or some kind of a Mm. word that points out that there is a problem. Um, but in I, exactly like you said, that the idea of get the facts um, could happily, in that way that people just read the headline and scroll past all sorts of things on social media, that people could easily read that to mean what they want it to mean if they are on Trump's side in all things. And, you know, this could happily make them feel like, oh, well, yeah, maybe he's right that, like, this is going to be this thing. And it is... So important that this whole move to essentially start trying to point towards a fraudulent election, like it is such a dictator move and it's just so troubling. But again, it's like Trump's, uh, sorry, um, Twitter's left it so late to even make a step like this that he's like instant pushback to say that it's impinging his freedom. It's like, I mean, he knows it's not, but of course, by doing that, it means they will never take another step. Like this is as much as they will ever do because they just want to avoid getting in trouble. And it's like this whole kind of Silicon Valley social media thing where it's like he's currently even been talking about creating 
you know, some kind of, um, you know, inquiry into, you know, right-wing uh, censorship on social media. It's like they've been trying to do so much to tiptoe around all of these issues for so long, and it's like as if it's ever going to help them avoid being lambasted in these sorts of ways. I Look, I don't know what Twitter does in respect, do we just shut Twitter down? Is that our only option? I don't know. You know, we are human. We are going to find ways on any platform, on any tool for misusing it, for using it the wrong way, for using it for venal and and self-concerned interests. That's just how we operate as a species and as a society. I just wish they'd gone a little harder now more than ever. I yeah. don't know. I don't have a great answer for this. I feel like one of the biggest things that they could do would be, like, seriously, a lot like what um, uh, Instagram has done, right? Like, just remove all of the – remove the numbers of, like, how many times something has been liked and retweeted because <laughs> that's one of those things that really does, and particularly for the kind of personality that Trump is, like, he just – would love that kind of sense of how many people care about what he says. Um, but they've got to leave the ratio in. If you're getting ratioed, I need to know <laughs> that the ratio is happening so I can take some horrifying delight oh, in you being ratioed. They should just put a ratio calculation. <laughs> That's all there should be. <laughs> Everything is terrible. <laughs> but um, I think the other one is just really, really dealing with the bots because there's new research that has also just come out this past week um, out of the US that was kind of analyzing the traffic around um, around sort of COVID uh, Twitter activity. Um, and this study basically said that, you know, and like there might be you know, problems with the study itself. I, I kind of heard some contention around it, but they're saying it could be as much as like half of all activity is... Uh, bot-related activity, which is, you know, that sort of idea that, well, these things are kind of being repeated in certain ways, that it's the same kind of collectives of accounts that are always kind of tweeting exactly the same things, that a lot of it is about disinformation um, or misinformation. Um, and it's the kind of stuff where you think if they could just more actively clean up all of that sort of activity, then it would make a huge difference, at least to knowing if the discourse is just real people who have horrible opinions versus, you know, people actively trying to make it look like there are a lot of people with those horrible opinions. Well, all I can say is if there's that many bots out there, another 300 and something should join me so I can push over into 10K followers. That's all I'm asking for. <laughs> That's all I'm asking you for. You heard it here, somebody go out there and uh, buy, a, buy a bot farm for Nick. Yeah. Um, look, I think we might as well just wrap it up there as well, Nick. Twitter so, bots, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah, no, just really quickly before we do wrap oh, it up, because yeah. my voice is absolutely going. Obviously, SpaceX is doing its launch, um, yes. uh, today, tomorrow, American time. I have talked a lot about my dislike of Elon Musk for a long time. I just want to make it really clear. I do absolutely hope that this launch is a wild success. Of course I do. Yeah. People's lives are on the line. I, I absolutely hope that this is a great launch. Right. Well, like you can have a real distaste for this modern industrialist, but love the things he has created. Absolutely. You know? and it's like, absolutely. It is wonderful to see, um, yeah, the first launch uh, from, you know, a NASA 
airbase in you know in what nine years nine years um, 2011 i think last time yeah i mean even like i'm loving their new spacesuits you know it's like it's kind of it's <laughs> this kind of fresh new era for nasa and it does feel really exciting <sighs> It is really, really exciting. But, yes, I'm going to go and drink some tea and honey, I think. Yeah. So where can people find you so they can buy you some Twitter bots? Uh, on Twitter, you've got to track me down. It's incredibly important that you do. It's <laughs> at Dr. Nick. It's DR underscore NIC. And I'm on Facebook, just Nick Healy. Just have a little hunt around for me. Awesome. I'm at Seamus. And, of course, you can follow Biteside at at the at bite side at the bite side on instagram i wish bite side was available um slash bite side on facebook and of course email us all your hated uh things about uh streaming services and what they do wrong that really gets your goat ask at bitesidecom but otherwise we will catch you again real soon